0: Yang akan lihat nasa...
1: Thank you for joining us for the next hour or two in this episode of Insight Myanmar Podcast. In an age of nearly limitless content, we appreciate that you're choosing to take valuable time out of your day to learn more about what is happening in Myanmar. It is vital for this story to continue to be heard by people around the world. And that starts right now with you. for this episode of Insight Myanmar podcast to be joined by Mr. Lin Thant. We have been trying to meet for about a year to get this interview, and we, he has so many duties now, and he's such a busy and important person at the moment for the revolution that it took about a year to match our schedules up, and I'm, I'm just so honored that I know how busy you are and how much you're doing, and just thank you so much for taking this time out of your day to sit back and talk with us for an hour or two. Thank you, too, as well. Uh, yeah, so you have led a, a very full life. There is a lot to cover, but let's start at the beginning. I understand that you're from Mektila, which is in the middle of the country. Uh, why don't you pick up from there?
0: Yes, I was born in Megtila, in the center of Burma. I grew up in the, you know, the country, you know, destroyed by civil war under military rule. And my grandfather, you know, British, He taught about the Christian culture and also my father taught, you know, me the politics. Already at the age of 16, I studied civil engineering at the university and at the same time taught a student of the same age. During the national protest in 1988, I became of the leaders of the students' organizations in my region. But after the uh, military coup in 1988, I was hiding in somewhere, and then I was arrested and imprisoned and tortured at the military intelligence. And I was same as to death. I felt at the time I didn't have tomorrow. I, did, I lost my hopes. I lost my tomorrow. I lost my future. But I never gave up when I was in a cell room. It's called the death rule. Um, so uh, when I was in prison, I did the meditations every day, at least eight hours or ten hours. Sometimes uh, I did the meditation over the, you know, 12 or 20 so many times, the first, you know, the three years of the, my prison life in the death row, all the time I did the meditation and I, 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 re- I was reading some, you know, uh, several papers and also I was always trying to, uh, to be occupied. So that is my prison life that started with the very terrible situation. I was tortured a lot mentally and physically um, after I was released from prison at the end of the 2008 I stayed in prison nearly two decades. I look out you know the wall and the new environment it was amazing nothing has changed I found out but the prices you know, it went up a lot. When I was arrested, the one of the teacup, it just caused only one Myanmar chat. After I was released from prison, I found out that one of the teacup, it cost over 300 Myanmar Jat. So I felt, so after the, my prison man, bummer, nothing changed. They, they told it, you know it changed a lot, but nothing changed. And I tried to set up the network for the our revolutions. It should be second round. That's why you know I travel in Myanmar, many cities. I tried to go with the old contacts and making the network. But I was in danger again. I was afraid. To be arrested again, because I didn't want to stay in prison for many years. That's why I fled from Burma, and I arrived to Thai-Burma border. And I was, as a English teacher, volunteer teacher for the refugees and the American work workers. Then I joined the AOD media groups, and I became the journalist. I was gathering about the uh, Burma's politics, economics, and other Asian countries. Um, I stayed in Chiang Mai, Thailand, as a AOD reporter for over four or five years. In 2014, it was military coup in Thailand. For me, that I was difficult to extend my visa. Uh, that's why you know I tried to reach back to Czech Republic, Prague. In two thousand fifteen, I moved back to Prague because in two thousand eleven, I was granted as a granted asylum in Czech Republic because of the former president Václav Havel. Then I did a study with the studying with as a the English teacher and the meditation instructors. And also, uh, journalists. I wrote many articles about human rights, democracy, freedom, and also the, I share my experience to the Czech society and other European countries. I'm. I did many of the you know the cooperation with the Czech government to promote, the two countries, trade and economics and the, politics. So I was here yeah, very, very convenient during last six years. But unfortunately 2021, I remember that say, around end of the January, I got many informations from Myanmar, Burma. It seems that you know, the military coup may happens in a few days. That's why I try to contact some of my colleagues. So be careful that, that it can be helping, and then so we try to uh, communicate each other and discuss about the what we'll do, how to do, how to proceed, the when it can be, you know, happened. Unfortunately. On the first February two thousand twenty-one, as we expected military coup, you know, it's mean that you know try to attempt to coup what's happened in Myanmar. That's it. This is my you know, very briefly, you know, my 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 life.
1: Mm, thanks for sharing this. And I think just in these five minutes, what you describe of your life is so Rich and full that I think listeners probably have some kind of grasp of the also the the interest and the curiosity that I had in wanting to explore these different parts of your life that you've passed through to better understand the situation that we all find ourselves now in 2022 with the coup. So going back to the initial start of the story, you reference how you took part in the 1988 demonstrations. And because of that, you were imprisoned, tortured, sentenced to death in a solitary confinement for two decades. This is a pretty severe sentence that you had to undergo what was it that you were doing in 1988 that the military considered such a danger that they came down this heavy-handed uh, on you when they apprehended you?
0: Yes, this is a very good question for for me. So in 1988, I involved in the uh, you know the our uh, Tetra revolutions as a, you know the student activists, and then you know I I was a very you know. Uh, very afraid to fight against the uh, the the BSPP party at first, but so during the you know demonstrations, I remember that in March, I found that, you know the some of the, our friends they were shot dead on the streets. and then you know the our students university students uh, tried to protest again and again so in March affairs and March movement and also June and July, and so our movement, you know, the speed, up, um, more and more, and then finally, so we set up the you know the Tetra Eight revolutions. We call for the Tetra Eight revolution at the time. So we travel, you know, the across the country to get the get in touch with the other, you know, the strikes groups, many cities, many villages, and so we try to. Are you know express our concern about our future country? So it is dangerous situations of their country. So especially we focused on the our the military, you know, dictatorship and also authoritarian. So this is the dangerous for our future and our next generations. So I did a lot of you know the speeches around you know across the country. And I was one of the jacket. And then you know, and the, the another thing is, during the you know eighty eight revolutions, um, I did see a lot of you know the uh, the uh, political you know uh, the statements, and also uh, I joined the uh, after the military coup, I joined the uh, you know one of the uh, the armed groups. It is called the old Student Democratic Front. So I believe that you know in the past, so we can solve these situations politically. But you know, in 1998, I decided to join the uh, you know our students the army. I became the one of the special missions commander, and then uh, I was ordered to do such mission. Then I was in Rangoon, and for that mission, I was arrested.
1: Mm-hmm. I understand. Are you able to share what that mission was in Rangoon that you were arrested for?
0: So that mission is, you know, uh, so right now, so I I tried to assassinate the the secretary uh, one of the Mister B- Mister Kinyon, the former general, the of the uh, military intelligence officers, but I I failed to assassinate him, and then I was arrested. <sighs>
1: I see. So then you were arrested in 1988 after this failed assassination, and in prison you were tortured and sentenced to death. Yeah. Uh, as far as you're comfortable in sharing about your past prison experience, I know this 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 is this can be very triggering, and um, there's there's certainly much trauma from that that I don't want to trigger or bring up. But as far as you're comfortable sharing about those about your incarceration and later years in prison. The time in
0: prison is, you know, the, it was really, you know, I got a lot of, you know, ill treatments and torture, you, you know, uh, right now, you know, I don't have the uh, teeth. I have the few, a few, few teeth. Yeah. And I lost mm-hmm. the many teeth. Um, and also um, uh, I was, you know, one of the, my, you know, the colon bone was broken. But one of the, uh, you know, my leg was broken as well. Um I got, you know, every day, you know, I I didn't see the sun and the moon for, you know, several months, uh, you know, and I was beaten every week. And also, you know, when I was involved in to protect the other political prisoner I was, you know, beaten and also tortured. And so I was in another confinement. And it is called, you know, uh, they call it, you know, uh, the... Military dog training, you know, uh, the compound. It was a very isolated, insane in prison. I was there in several times. I, I remember that, you know, I got a lot of the, you know, PT and torches when I was in prison as well. But I never gave up. I never gave up. I tried all the time, you know, to get the, you know, to be occupied. And I smuggled one of the radio, the uh, I use it and I got the information. Around the world, what's happened, was, what was happening in the Myanmar and also around the world. So I got, you know, the many informations through the radio. <laughs> I smuggled it. That radio was uh, captured by, you know, it was found by the jail authority in 1995. I, I remember that case. This was one of the, you know, the, 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 the you know, memorable case. And in 1998, 1990, uh, before the, you know, uh, I remember that, you know, after the election won the election, after the you know, election, the National League for Democracy won the election, mm-hmm. there, you know, across the country. And the, the, the military councils, they, they were absent to hand over the power to the uh, winner party. So at that time, we, in the, our prison, so we started to protest against the, uh, the, the absence of the uh, military council to respect the votes of the our people our 1990 election results then i was taught at that time that many hundreds of the our political prisoners were taught beaten say, some some of my my colleagues also you know uh, very you know seriously endure, me too and the, in 1997 i was moved to the another prison but it is called the Yet prison
1: Mhm. Uh, you know, I've spoken to hundreds of guests on this podcast platform uh, and we've had and have spoken to many that have gone through some pretty terrible traumatic incidences, but the just the short description you've already laid out here, I don't I have, I've not personally spoken to anyone yet on this platform who has had to endure the the deprivation and the darkness. Literal as well as metaphorical that that you've just laid out already, the um, uh, being tortured, bones broken, teeth shattered, in solitary confinement, not seeing the sun or moon for for months on end, being sentenced to death and having that hanging over your head, I, I can't even begin to imagine on a human level what that feels like and what uh, and and how one would even begin to respond to it and hearing what you've said here and also our, our previous conversations your description that you you just didn't give up there was a spirit inside you that just uh, kept trying to find a way on that kept f- trying to find hope and optimism and i think what you're talking about here it's a a feature of the human heart and the human spirit that actually goes beyond uh, culture and time and place. Uh, it, 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 it's connected to some of the horrors we hear, the Holocaust and and some of the Jews that were able to find something within them to get through unspeakable conditions that humanity has never known. And as far as you're able to, what allowed you to respond the way you did? I, I don't know. I don't think most of our audience could imagine. I certainly can't how one would begin to respond if they were in that situation of such pain and, and emotional terror and actual physical terror and looming death, and yet still respond with some kind of optimism and, uh, and, um, and, and trying to do something and trying to, to be active. What can you say about where that spirit came from in you? How were you able to harness that kind of spirit when faced in those kind of conditions?
0: Honestly, you know, it is taught by the Buddha. So I got a lot of, the, you know, the lessons from Buddha. Buddha is, you know, my great teacher. So whenever I face the difficulties, I have to face it. I have to accept it. I have to respond, you know, peacefully. So that's why I was there on that kind of, you know, difficulties and the torture. Imagine that. I will tell you the one of the examples, my experience. When I was in a, you know, prison, in the death row, so I was, my cell room was, you know, covered by the, the, some plates. It is, you know, the, made by the zinc. And just only, you know, the one-inch hole, I just see through their hold. If I, early morning, I get up, you know, all all the time, I get up around, you know, the 4 a.m. and started to, you know, be to Buddha, Dhamma, and Sangha. And the, I, I explored, you know, the Patan Patana, And then, you know, I was beaten. (laughs) If I do meditation, I was beaten. If I do the, something, you know, uh, the exercise, why are you doing like that? So they, 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 they beat me. They're the praising God. And the, even, you know, the, the, the food, are uh, the very terrible situations at the time. And the soup, I share with, you know, some of the photos on my, you know, social media network. So even the pig or the dogs, they don't eat such kind of the food. But we, we ate it. We didn't have the, any, you know, options. We have to. One of the soups, you know, we found out some of the, you know, the women, you know, uh, the beds. We found it, but we have to. And some, you know, are the rises with the sand, stones, small stones. The, the 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 quality of the rises, a poor quality for the prisoner. So we ate it, but we tried to survive. That is, you know, the one of the uh, biggest, you know, ambitions when I was in prison.
1: So you talk about your faith in the Buddhist teachings as being something that allowed you to carry through some kind of light and hope and even the darkest of situations. May I know where that came from? Were you... Raised a Buddhist in your family? Had you done meditation or been a monk before your incarceration, or was this kind of faith and meditation practice something new that came in response to the conditions you found yourself in?
0: Yes, this you know, it's very interesting you know for my life because my father side is a Christian community, Christian culture. My grandmother British, he's a very devoted devoted Baptist Christian. My mom's side is, you know, Buddhism. Buddhist they are a Buddhist. And my father became the atheist. He was a free thinker, and he taught me to mm. be a free thinker. Um, but my father was very clever to taught me that, you know, the study every religion. Try to find out who you are and what you are. My father told me that that is this is one of the biggest you know the uh, the lessons from my father I studied Hinduism I studied Christian I studied Islam and I studied the other you know the uh you know uh, some you know religions um but I find out you know they to try try to study it and then but you know when I was uh, around the, you know sixteen seventeen years old I was in you know uh, monkhood for over one year and because you know, I I tried to know what is the Buddhism indeed as a monk I tried to find out what I am and who I am and then I was taught by the Mahasi and the Dambulu and also you know the Dantidong and some other, you know, the Mahasi branch as Seattle that they taught me that you know to have the meditations made me uh you know find myself but finally i felt this you know the uh, this is not the religion this is the best way to have a peace of mind that's why i became the devoted buddhist before i was arrested
1: so even before your activism in 1988, you had a consistent meditation practice, you were learning from monks, and so this this was a part of your life. And and so I guess that brings us to the 1988 activism. This is a question that so many young Buddhists today are facing in Myanmar. You have, you've been raised with different religions, different beliefs. Uh, Your father was a free thinker, but you end up, seeing the value in in meditation, and particularly the Mahasi and Taung branches of meditation. You'd study with some of those masters. And then 1988 happens, and you become an activist, I assume as today, a, a, a nonviolent activist. That's what the early uh, protests uh, became. And then when the military responded violently, there was no more room for any kind of as you say political solution or civil discourse because the only language that they're speaking is violent and you joined one of the armed student groups and so I'm wondering how you were I'm wondering how difficult that decision was to make and what went through your mind coming from a background in meditation which is is really the 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 most non-harmful activity and state of being in the world that one can actually do. Simply sitting down with closed eyes is the, causing the least harm to the world and to humanity as as possible and actually creating quite a bit of good. And then realizing that you needed to stand up to tyranny and the only way to stand up to this evil in your country was to join an armed student group. So was this transition difficult for you or, or how were you able to manage that with your background and beliefs?
0: It was really, really difficult for me because you know I wanted to get the peace, peaceful life, quiet life. But you know the we, we as the Burmese people are saying that you know, the, the we didn't choose the history, the history chose me. So the that's why you know I have to I had to choose the such kind of the, you know uh, the option. I didn't want to, but I had to. Definitely, I, I have to, you know, uh, I have to choose this for the country's sake, not for the personal sake. That's why, you know, I became the, one of the, you know, the uh, student arms group member.
1: Hmm. So then, when you're in the prison, you're practicing meditation every morning, and then you're getting beaten after meditating. I can't. Yes, you know, I'm sorry, yes. I, I can't even. <laughs> it does, it does. You know it's like I'm breaking up
0: you know that you know they are saying that you know they are Buddhist. the jilas and the you know the you know praising gods they are saying that they are Buddhists, but not when i was you know meditating they they were angry with me why are you doing the meditation the problem is you know if i because one of the you know experience when i was you know the um Meditating, one of the prison guards, he, he took me out from the cell room, and then I was beaten. And three days after, he was, uh, you know, he was dead. After, uh, according to you know, he was dead in accident, car accident. Then, are uh, in in prison some of the, uh, you know, prison guards, they were angry with me. Oh, yeah, he 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 beat in me. He so that that you know jailers, you know. Beat me, and then he was dead because the banya. They called me banya. That is one of my my names in, in prison. You know, I have the have several names. And so they were so angry with me, and then especially if I do the meditation, that means that they are they are feeling that they are you know uh, getting something you know bad for them. <laughs> they felt, and then they were angry, and then they thought they beat me. Again and again, but I did meditation. I told them that you know the meditation is not for you know uh, you know the you know uh, this is not for the you know the uh, revolution. This is just for the you know peace of mind. If I do meditation, you will get you know. I I explained to the you know the jailers and the prison guards, you will get also the you know the uh, the very good results. You don't need to watch whenever I do this, because, you know, in front of my my room, every 15 minutes, you know, the, they are reading, they are writing down, the note down what I'm doing. Always, you know, the 24 hours, you know, recording the first, you know, two years. That was, you know, the, it was really funny. I, I was, I didn't get any, I I didn't get any idea why they are beating me. But I think that, you know, they hate something doing good. <laughs> I think so.
1: Yeah, it's it's a terrible image to have in the mind, um, to think of you're, you're locked alone in a cell with no access or daylight. And you're doing this activity, which is the least harmful activity that a human can do on Earth. You're sitting with your eyes closed. And... Sitting with your eyes closed, your your practice may be metta. You may be sending goodwill to all beings. You may be becoming aware of the relationship between the mind and body. You may be examining the mental contents. You you may be uh, uh, looking at the sense doors and feeling sensation. Any number of these things. They're all creating. This, whichever the practice is in some way it's it's opening the body, it's relaxing the mind, it's becoming at peace and being vulnerable with examining what's in. And anyone who's done meditation can attest or even yoga for that matter can attest to mm-hmm. that feeling of openness and vulnerability that comes after an hour session, and to think that after that time that you're doing this practice, you are then violently beaten in that state, you know, I just get choked up even even trying to imagine how that would be. And I I, want to ask what, I don't know how to, I've had this question in my mind, and part of it seems kind of stupid, part of it seems kind of offensive, I don't know exactly the right way to ask it, so I'll, I'll just come out and say, how after doing that kind of after doing meditation for as long as you were doing and as intensively as you were, and then enduring those beatings, what were your feelings towards those that were beating you? Did you hate them? Were you able to forgive them? Were you able to wish them compassion and goodwill? Or was it all of the above? Were, were, were different meditation sessions and different beatings bringing out different responses in the mind?
0: Honestly, you know, I never angry with them all. I never... Till now, I never, you know, use the very bad words. And by me saying that, you know, I never, I never do such, you know, such words. After I was released from prison, even, you know, I discussed with my family members. They they didn't agree with me. I told them that we are fighting against the only the sins, not the sinners. But my father told me that we, our family, lives was damaged and destroyed by the military leaders. We were broken. He told me that. But I told my father, No, daddy, we are fighting against just only, you know, sin, not for the sinner. This is my, you know, my, my, my belief. When I did, you know, the meditation, I found myself, I felt. So I shouldn't, you know, uh, hate to others. I should love. I must love all beings. They all are beings. When they beat me, they are new, you know, actors. I'm not. They will have to pay back for their actions, for their beat, for their, you know, bad deeds. I'm doing good. They are doing bad, but they are the first actors I'm not. When I was in prison, there's, you know, many experience. I had many experience, you know, such can be ill treatments. Even, you know, Mr. Kenyon and the former military generals. I never hate them. Till now. I never hate. If I say these words, many of the activists, they will hate me. I don't care. This is my perception. My tila. Right now, I am a representative of the National Unity Government to fight against the military dictatorship in Myanmar, Burma. Still now, I don't hate the military personnel. I just hate their actions. This is my belief. Very simple.
1: And so how do you reconcile this personal view you hold of of not hating them and not wishing them bad with the decision both then as well as now to take up or support an armed resistance?
0: Honestly, you know, the uh, I'm supporting to the armed resistance in Myanmar right now. It means it's the end of, you know, the violence for the you know innocent people in our country. There are thousands of people being killed during the one year. In the past seven decades, thousands and thousands of our people, innocent villages, children, women, the oldies. We're being killed. Still, now the violence accelerates by the military. That's why, in the last year, the results of the 2020 general election CRPH announced it the military is a terrorist group. The military is not the military and also the police department, also the terrorist group. Because they are terrorizing the, our civilians, innocent people. Our civilians they have the right to protect their self, their life. That's why I support politically to the I'm resistant, not my personal. This is a politically I support.
1: Mm. So I want to go back to the meditation that you were doing in the prison. You talk about doing a Mahasi style of meditation, also Telngalu, which is a branch of Mahasi, and that this was the only thing that gave you lightness, optimism, that prevented you from giving up, that allowed you to keep on day after day and trying even in the most unspeakable of conditions. You mentioned sometimes practicing upwards of 14 hours a day in solitary confinement, even knowing that merely practicing meditation, merely sitting in cross-legged position would bring on beating and torture. Um, I, I know that meditation is a activity that can be done anywhere, in any, any condition, in any place. However, I would imagine that doing it in prison in those conditions would bring about different thoughts and insights and experiences than a meditation center or a monastery or even a cave or one's home so I'm wondering if during all those years of doing meditation in prison if you can say something about the type of insights that you had, the type of meditative insights and understanding into the Buddhist teaching or the nature of reality or the nature of the mind that your meditation brought you when you were in that place
0: Honestly, you know, when I was in prison, doing the meditation makes me a lot of you know the uh, you know positive mindsets, especially you know uh, the mental power to be uh, you know stronger and stronger. And I I was in prison, you know, I I heard a lot of the noisy and torture sounds, the the, you know screamings, you know, that the prisoners you know torture and they were shouting. I heard. And then you know uh, I try to you know uh, to meditate on it, as you know that you know meditation is you know just accepting what's happening. So we don't follow these such kind of the feelings to them. It is just only mind and matter, and the you know on and off. And I got the you know the experience. And the uh, the experience make me, you know, the uh something, you know, perfect. The, I, I got a lot of you know the uh, doing you know the meditation experience and you know the the, the one of the best thing is you know I had a lot of noisy. I heard sometimes you know the quiet and the situation is not this you know sustainable. It was you know all, all the time it was changing. But in my room Nothing changed, but it is just only eight feet, ten feet, and twelve feet in the dark room. in In my cell room, there is no bulb, no electricity, no light. Um, I didn't see anything else. I just heard it. It means that I can block it. You know, one of my eyes sights. It is one of the best thing, and then but now the thing is, you know, um. After the nine p.m., everybody has to go down sleep. Um, so that is one of the best time for me. studying at you know the nine p.m. But I heard the bell you know ringing, or every fifteen say fifteen minutes, and the, the one of the uh, you know, some of the uh, jailers, and the prisoners are shouting, Everything is good. And these sounds make me something, you know, uh, to get the, you know, the practice to have the meditate. Oh, that is, uh, that voice is matter. I just knew it. That's mine. Oh, mine, matter, mine, matter. It's on and off, on and off. If finally I found out that, you know, I'm not, I am. I'm not what I am. I'm not. Who I am, and then I felt just only feeling of the on and off. Oh, it was very pleasant. It was so very nice, very peaceful. I felt it. That feeling is I never forget about such kind of feeling when I was in prison doing the meditation. It was really nice. And the uh the another thing is you know uh I didn't have the any extra you know housing work or something like that. I just only, I don't have to, you know. I have a lot, I had a lot of time. I was rich of time, it was, at the time. These times should be used. So that's why I did meditation. And I studied many languages and also I studied the politics. I smuggled in many books. Not only the, you know, the meditation, but also um, I was doing, you know, the studying other subjects and also, you know, some other books. I smuggled many books.
1: Did you have any teacher or any guide that you can go to to ask questions about your meditation experience?
0: Yes, of course. Uh, you know, I... I've, I had, you know, shared with, you know, with some of my colleagues, you know, about our experience and also, you know, we exchange our experience. And so what is the results? How, how do you feel it? You know, the, the meditation results today or the something other, you know, the subjects we exchange about our experience, our, you know, the opinions and the politics and also some of the things as well. It means that, you know, we always, you know, try to be occupied.
1: Part of the Buddhist teachings as well and the experience of meditation is the understanding of dukkha. It's often translated as suffering or yes. simply mm-hmm. non-satisfactoriness. And indeed the first noble the, the four noble truths are all about the recognition of the existence of suffering and the path leading away from the existence of suffering. When you're in prison, I imagine that the truth of suffering is something that comes clear to the experience and to perception perhaps a bit easier and more unadulterated than in the world where we can get distracted by so many other things. What did your meditation experience guide you and lead you towards a deeper understanding of dukkha?
0: This is, you know, because of the, you know, uh, I think that, you know, uh, uh, you know, continuously, you know, doing the, you know, Doing the exercise is, you know, they make me, you know, something special. Enlightened man, I think so. But you know, I didn't get, you know, the any enlightenment. I, I, I mean it. I'm not, you know, the total man. But I'm trying to be, you know, I'm trying to be. But you know, on the other hand, I, as far as I know, that you know the, you know, how can I say that you know the repeatedly, you know. Doing the meditation is, you know, they are making the power.
1: Mm, right. Uh, you mentioned how your prison sentence uh, came with a death sentence, actually, and that you were put in the part of the prison for death row, basically. So why was this death sentence handed to you and then how were you able to uh, to escape this this death sentence and and to have it uh, removed or revoked?
0: Yes, you know uh, you know the first study they, they were charged with you know the are uh, the it is called the high treason the, the act and that's why you know I was sentenced to death and, and the after the three years in 1993, in Myanmar, the political landscape, it can be, uh, it, it was a little bit changed uh, to to, uh, to start uh, the uh, national, you know, uh, conventions. They, they call it, you know, it is, you know, the, the world longest national convention is Myanmar. It, in Myanmar. It started in 1993. The military council they announced that, you know, the amnesty, it is not amnesty, it is so-called amnesty, the death sentence to the reduced to the life sentence, it means 20 years imprisonment. And um, so in 1993, I was reduced to the uh, you know the life sentence, but I stayed in the death row.
1: How long did you stay in death row? Uh, over you know, uh, eight years. Oh my god. Eight yes. years in death row. So that was eight yes. years of thinking that any moment you might get the call for the end of life. Yes. I I, I don't I don't even know what to, to ask about that or what to to think about it. So you were, you know, they. I, I'm just going back to my understanding as a meditator and. In the intensive retreats that I've done and speaking to some of the great masters, there's uh, advice that comes to guidance that comes in the meditation to imagine death coming in the next moment, to know that nothing is certain and that any next mm-hmm. moment can lead to death and to prepare the mind and and um, and the life and your ethical and spiritual practice for knowing that death could happen at any moment. However, for most of us, uh, the next moment does come and we're still here. Mm-hmm. For you, for those eight years, you were you were living with a a very real possibility that any next moment, based on the whim of uh, the quick decision making of uh, of some guard or some general somewhere, that the next moment really could be the last moment. So, I I I, I also can't imagine how that would have affected your meditation practice uh, undergoing meditation knowing that that you don't know how much you have left because you're you're on death row for eight years so uh to to live with that kind of equanimity uh and to yeah i I, sorry i i don't know what to ask about that it's just i um I, i i can't imagine the the burden that must be placed the emotional and psychological burden of living in confinement for eight years on death row
0: you know, you know, honestly, I really thank you. Thanks to the, you know, military council. Because, you know, the, the sentence to me, that, that, you know, sentence to death. That made me, you know, I got the one idea. That, oh, I was lucky because I can know what date I can be dead. It was really lucky, I thought, at the time. I thanked, you know, to the, you know, military, you know, dictators at the time in nineteen ninety. Because of them, you know, so I can do that, you know, you know, I can be died, I can be dead anytime. Before I died, I must do the meditation for the best. That's why I do meditation every day. It means that I don't I'm not afraid to be dead. I was not afraid to be dead. But I need to know about, you know, the how to be on how to, you know, overcome the dead, being dead. That's why I did meditation. I exchange I, I about my feelings too. you know, I, I thanks to the, you know, military generals because they sent it to me that. So some people, so some friends, say that they are laughing at me. Why are you doing, saying like that? But no, no, this is, you know, all the time I was trying to find out the best, you know, the positive, you know, thinking, because the positive mindset can make me positive things. I believe it. I never. I try to, you know, you know, I try to do the, you know, the, you know, pessimistic all the time, trying to positive things. Um, the, that is really good, you know. It was really good, you know, because you know, the normally, you know, common people, they don't know when they will be dead. They don't know they will die. But as a you know prisoner of you know death sentence in the you know death row, so I, one day I can be dead. So that is it. Was lucky? You can imagine that. I can prepare for my death. That's why I prepared.
1: And you prepared by meditation.
0: Yes, of course. Meditation is the best preparation for the death.
1: Did it ever strike you as ironic that the military rulers that had justified their rule largely by a desire to protect Buddhism and sustain Buddhism were the same people that were beating and torturing you because you were doing Buddhist meditation?
0: Yeah, you, you see that, you know, but I, I don't, you know, I don't believe that they are not, They, I don't believe, you know, I'm sure I can say that they are not Buddhist. They are so-called Buddhists. If they are Buddhists, they will never do such kind of atrocity to the, you know, civilians, innocent people. This is a very clear message. But they they misuse the Buddhism as their religion. It is the biggest mistake in Myanmar.
1: If they're using misusing Buddhism as their religion, then why would you say some of the more respected and great monks don't speak out against them? Aside from a few exceptions, why the silence on one hand, and on the other hand, the actual support for the regime from some of these monks that are are highly respected in the country? If the generals aren't Buddhist, what is there to say about these monks who are condoning it?
0: That is really. Great
1: questions.
0: I'm really thank you for your questions. I I would like to say many you know things about these purpose. In Myanmar, Burma, the very prominent, you know, Buddhist monks, they are right now absent to teach the military generals. It means that you know they are, you know, The real body is not. If a monk, they have the you know duty to teach the people, has to respect the five perceptions, to be you know clever, to be human beings, they have to teach, but unfortunately, very famous. Buddhist monks, they are supporting to the military haunters, they are praising, they are, they are you know, protecting to the military generals. I'm very sorry for such prominent Buddhist leaders but I'm very glad that many Buddhist monks are not on the same boat like such kind of demands, You see that in Mandalay, one of the monks, city, there are thousands of monks, they are still protesting against the military hunter, and they are standing with the people of Myanmar. Many Buddhist monks, thousands of Buddhist monks, they are standing with the people of Myanmar they are speaking out about the people of Myanmar's suffering except such kind of the, you know, the Saputa prominent monks. In Myanmar, many young generations right now, they are saying that they just only respect to the real monk, real Buddhist monk, not no need to be famous. If they respect the Winnie Vinaya they will respect. They are saying that. But such cannot be, you know, the Buddhist monks, including higher, you know, prominent monks. They are very, very, you know, doing bad deeds. It means that ye are indirectly, you know, forced to kill the people of Myanmar, innocent people. The killers are getting the license by such kind of monks. The Buddhist monk, including, you know, Siragu, he is giving the killers to have the license to kill. So according to the Vinaya. He cannot be the monk. He is also committed to killing. These sayings, it's very dangerous to me. I know it, but I have to say it.
1: I I understand. I, I understand the risk and in, in the courage in saying these things aloud. And... Uh, I, I appreciate the risk that you're taking. I, I want to ask you a question that, uh, before I ask it, I want to let you know that I have asked the same question, actually word for word, to Sway Win, who is the founder yes. of Myanmar now, also a political prisoner, to uh, to Mathida, who was also a political prisoner and yes. wrote uh, was a writer as well and a doctor, and to Alan Clements, who was a, a Mahasi monk and also a political activist in Myanmar for some time. Uh, The reason why I think this question is so pertinent to these kinds of people and yourself is that you represent this very rarefied, unique intersection between dedication to the Dhamma and the Buddhist teachings and also political activism and social engagement. And we're looking at where these two worlds come together. And that's what this question indicates. So the question is, Burma is a complicated country. It has a difficult recent history combined with a rich meditative tradition that has inspired mindfulness movements all around the world from some of the great teachers and traditions. A question that I often personally get from meditators is why is there not more peace in a country where so many people are at the forefront of pursuing this inner peace? So there's this kind of contradiction. Uh, On the one hand, you have these great, mindfulness teachers and movements that have in fact spread around the world based on their wisdom on the other hand you have one of the greatest examples of tyranny and evil and inhumanity in the world today and for the past half century or more so what is your answer and thought to this why is there such instability in a country where for so long people have tried to attain the greatest mental inner stability
0: Yes, this is a very, you know, very good question, but, you know, this is very complicated to answer about it. It's very comprehensive. Um, the first, I can say that, you know, um, in Myanmar, the people of Myanmar, the sufferings over the seven decades of the Sashkana, you know, the Doka, because, you know, the, uh, it was taught by the, you know, the many Buddhist, you know, monk, they, have, they are saying that all the time, be patient, don't fight against the, you know, the, the, the king or, you know, the administrators. That is, you know, the wrong, you know, teaching. So I can say that, you know, the, in our country, Burma, especially over 80% of the population are Buddhists. Buddhist monks, their teaching are maybe mistakes. Especially, you know, they just only teach to the people to be patient. But some monks, they are teaching the real Buddhism. But I'm sure that, you know, there are over the you know the forty million Buddhists in Myanmar but it is it is just so called the you know the traditional Buddhists. I'm sure that you know they are not you know devoted Buddhists. If the ten percent of the populations may be you know devoted Buddhists and then our country will be stable. That is the, you not know, God you know the my one of the you know religious point of view but on the other hand the system of the political system it was really a mistake and the another thing is you know uh you know self-interest the people is just only thinking of their own interest not for others they became the egoists. They became selfish. It makes, you know, long, you know, suffering in Myanmar. So, but this year and last year after the military, you know, attempted coup, the people of Myanmar woke up. They understood we have to end up these kind of the, you know, military rules in Myanmar, they understood the Myanmar leaders, the especially military leaders, misused the Buddhism and other religion as well. So we can say that Bamar is one of the misused countries we can say that Bama is the, you know, the bad, you know, one of the, uh, you know, uh, how can I say that, you know, this is a very, very bad word. I don't want to say that. You know, it is a lie of the country. All the time, people are lying. But they are saying that we don't like, you know, any lie, but they are lying but I don't like it. If they don't like, a lie. They shouldn't lie. Even the justice, they are lying. But they became a justice. They became a judge. And the, you know, the whole system is, you know, really, really, you know, complicated. And the, it's a land of lies. It's a land of corruption. It's a land of misuse. So, many bad things in Myanmar. It has happened. But luckily, you know, last year, because of the, you know, Me Online, he attempts to coup the people. They found out. They found out their self. They found out, you know, what they are, who they are. So, That is good. I feel it right now.
1: So you talk about being in prison for 20 years, I believe, eight of those on death row. And then I think you said it was 2008 you were released. I can't imagine having the routine of 20 years. And whether a routine is good or bad, it's familiar. A routine is something that becomes our... Uh, becomes our familiar surroundings and activities and everything else, and we get used to it. Whatever, whether it's uh, uh, toxic or or uh, something beneficial. But after these twenty years of the routine of being in prison, two thousand eight, you're released, and the prison doors open, and you walk back into the world. Can you describe what that experience was like?
0: As I've told you, that you know, the, uh, I didn't see any change, any changes. But you know, the people they are they are they, they, they felt it's something better, but not for me that as all well, you know the i found out that you know the it was not a big change during the twenty years only the you know the you know properties caused in the prices i didn't see you know and the more the more you know corruption you see i found it you know after the you know twenty years. I I noticed that you know the many corruptions that happens you know Myanmar it's it likes you know legal it was shame you know I found it you know bribery corruption is you know legal so that is you know it means that you know it is you know damaged of the society so I didn't see you know any of the you know good things.
1: Mm. And how about your own personal transition back into society? What, after 20 years behind bars and largely being by yourself and being beaten and tortured during that time as well, what what was your own personal transition back into civilian life like?
0: Yeah, I, my own transition is a very, you know, difficult, you know, the first, you know. I, I was not allowed to, you know, join the, you know, my society very, you know, uh, you know, you know, easily. I was very difficult to join. You know, my society. As after I was released from prison, many of my friends, even relatives, you know, they didn't. You know, want me to join their. You know, society as well. They didn't. You know, they didn't. You know, talk to me. They didn't want to. You know, deal with me, and they didn't. You know. You know. Employ me. I. I got. You know, the jobless. And I was unemployment, and then you know I tried to you know learn about you know the computers, computers, and also you know, IT technology, and to 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 get you know you know to get you know contact with the international trend. I studied you know after I was released from I studied you know IT is something like that. Even you know I was trying to you know, learn about you know the. So how to type the computer. You know, like a child. I started with you know, you know, zero age, you know, from zero ground. And then you know, but I decided that you know the some other people just, you know the run you know walking, and then at that time you know I must run. So that's you know biggest you know challenge to me to 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 involve in this you know society. Another thing is, you know, the language. My language is totally different from others at the time. No one was not, you know, interested in the politics at the time. But it it was, you know, just only, you know, the one year after, you know, the Nugget, you know, uh, uh, Nugget Cyclone. And also, you know, one year after, you know, the Saffron Revolution. A few of the activists, you know, our activist society, okay, they welcome me. Very warmly, but not others. So I felt that you know the I felt you know I didn't have the you know relation you know relatives. I didn't have I felt you know I didn't have the friends. Only I have friends, only activists, because you were the, we have the same language. But other people we didn't get it. But I finally I tried to find out, no, it was wrong. I have to educate to the people because they have to know it. They have to be educated. Then I started to make something, you know, educational program. And I just get with some of my colleagues and we made the many programs to, you know, to educate the people. We travel, you know, across the country making the networking and also, you know, educating with the people to know what is right, what is wrong, you know, what is fair, what is unfair, what is justice, what is injustice. We have to teach to the people. We have to educate to the people. So we decided to do such kind of things at the time.
1: And what years were you doing that and what were the results?
0: It was really great. You know, during the two years two, two, after I was released from prison in 2008 and 2009 and the uh, the, the in uh, 2010, March, I, I fled from Burma. So uh, during the, you know, uh, nearly two years, it was really good. The people, you know, they are trying to wake up. they try to understand what is the, you know, the right and wrong, justice and justice, fair and unfair. Uh, this is really good. So education is a very important in my society. So that's why, so we are right now educating to the people of Myanmar since then. um, The people are getting, you know, aware of the, you know, the politics. They understand. They are understanding. They understood. And then in 2021, after the military, you know, attempted coup, the people woke up. Right now, they deny you know, military rule in Myanmar. This is a big move of the, you know, education
1: mm, so what were your views on the transition period? Because I know there there are a lot of different theories and perspectives on what was actually happening during that time. I think one thing that we can safely say is that for at least for many BAMAR that were in the urban centers, it was a time of a lot of new opportunities, whether those opportunities were in the form of um, uh, uh, education or professional opportunities or internet or even just having a kind of um, latte or or ice cream or something that just even, even in terms of material products that weren't there before. And... I've heard it explained that when uh, when there was concern being expressed about different parts of politics not really being fair, equitable, uh, discussion about the Rohingya, about the rise of nine six nine, about the mm-hmm. uh, some of Ang Song Kyi's policies and her proximity with uh, in uh, with the military and and um, and and a, somewhat of a shared perspective. I think that. Um, it's been said that when those concerns were being expressed by international media and organizations and others, there were those, especially in the cities, who really felt like this is our time in the sun. This is our chance to be able to finally live somewhat of a normal life. And we we don't really want to have this drag us down. We don't want to have to, uh, to be back in in arguing about um, these uh, these kind of matters because in our own life we've seen some improvement. And I should mention this viewpoint I'm putting out here is not my own. This was, uh, if I remember correctly, I, I had a, 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 a podcast guest last year, Han Tu was his name, and this is how he explained it to me. He was a, a an economist, and during the transition period he saw it as kind of like, the As things started to open up, people didn't really want to be bothered. They wanted to be able to mm-hmm. live and grow in their life without having to worry about some of these heavier and more complicated and perhaps uglier things and mm-hmm. uh, and yet there there legitimately were transitions changes opportunities freedoms um, One cannot deny that there were certainly freedoms in many different fields, especially when you're looking outside of the ethnic areas that's, that's another story the what what uh uh, their history and what they've gone through. Myanmar is a, a, a story of many different people's lives and cultures and regions. So it's not just one history. It's many, many interlocking and overlapping histories. But at least in in the cities, there really was a greater sense of opportunity and freedom. And yet there were also these other things going on, which I think many would argue directly led to where we are now. So from your standpoint, from your background of experience and uh, involvements and understanding before how were you looking at this transition period?
0: You know, uh, this is a very simple and the I can say that, you know, uh, the transition periods can be at least one generation. This is you know estimation. But there's a will, there's a way. So right now the, the many of the populations are willing to transit, you know the our countries to build a new society you know, that's why I'm sure that, you know, we can, you know, it can be taken, you know, around, you know, the, you know, a decades at least. But, you know, in many of the era, you know, the Burmese, you know, experts and the many of the famous you know, technicians and professionals and the common peoples, they are willing to, you know, set up the new society. This is very good to, you know, get, you know, the transitions and to to build up the new, you know, society, to build up the, you know, the, the, you know, freedom, to build up the, you know, federal democracy country, and the. So we can see that, you know, right now the, you know, everybody's so willing to do so. This is the, you know. Uh, very good, you know, moment. So right now, the you know our you know populations are you know very aware of it, and the so we can do it. You know, so if we uh you know end of you know the military rule in Myanmar, and then the next day, what we'll starts the our transition, and then a few years there, so we can you know, attain our goal and we can sustain, you know, the, our, you know, results for the, our future generations.
1: Mm, mm-hmm. And in looking at this 2010 period of transition, what was your understanding of what was taking place during that time? How did you view this time, these years?
0: You see that, you know, we are saying that, you know, at the time 2010 election, it's not the election, it was the election. You know, that Mr. Taysen, uh-huh. he changed, you know, you know, at that time, you see, uh, Prime Minister Mr. General Taysen became the, you know, uh, you know president, Mr. Taysen, you know, with the, you know, changing, you know, the clothes. It, it was not, you know, the uh, elections. It was, you know, fake. It was fake. It was not, you know, real transitions. Real transitions, right now, everybody see that, you know, it is a very obvious I'm, I would like to say that you know in 2012 the, you know by elections the Aung San Suu Kyi and the National League for Democracy the biggest you know opposition party in Myanmar they contested in by elections because of you know international you know the persuasions including the United States. I remember that at the time you know uh, uh, I was you know in the you know uh, in you know in Myanmar I was already released from, you know, the prison, I studied about, you know, the world politics and also the Myanmar politics. And um, I catch on eyes you know, the, the current situations and the, the Obama and also, you know, the Hillary Clinton, they try to push, you know, Aung San Suu Kyi to contest, you know, the uh, by-elections. So, and the uh, Obama trip to Myanmar, you see that, you know, he gave a speech, a very successful speech. And he was proud of the, his, you know, the foreign policy, you know, was win and it was the you know victory of the his foreign policy. Bama has, cha- has been changed. And but you know, it's failed the last year, it's, it was obvious results. Right and this is my political, I would like to point it out to the United States. But right now the United States is really good to, you know, green doing, doing good, you know, uh the yesterday the you know Biden administrations, they you know, the 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 accepted, you know, the military is committing, you know, the, Genocide, you know, against the Rohingya. Ah, that is good, but you know, in the past, you know, international communities is just only focused on the, you know, you know, their interests, including United States and other European countries. In Myanmar, we are saying that you know one of the prominent you know poets named Mr. Mong Chon Htun. So I love you know him. I love his poems you know very much. One of the you know the biggest you know the what influence be that you know. In our life, we need just only two things: real friends or real enemies. We are clear that in Myanmar, politically, you see that you know the, we can see. We obviously, you know, we we know who our enemy are. But still, now, you know that it is not very clear that you know who are our real friends. I I feel a little bit, you know, the uh, sad to say like that. So mm-hmm. in 2010, you know, it was just only, you know, make-up transition. It was not, you know, real transition. That's why, you know, it's happening right now in Myanmar. It was makeup. up make, a, make a transition.
1: And then how about 2015, those elections, and Aung San Suu Kyi coming on as state councillor and NLD, being in some position of power, what did you think of those years from fifteen to twenty?
0: You see that that is, you know, followed to the two thousand ten, you know, transition. She, she has she she had to follow, you know, the two thousand twelve, the violation contests, and then she decided to involve in the, you know, the fully, you know, uh, you know, you know, the uh, the military, you know, the traps. <laughs> she, she she was entrapped, and also she she contested in the, you know, uh. She and the National League for Democracy in contesting, in you know, two thousand fifteen election, and the National League for Democracy, they they won a landslide victory. Uh, it was, you know, the, and then the military generals, they are happy that oh, we got in the rabbits. At that time, you know, their money are getting, you know, a chance to get the laundry. Their money to be white, and their properties to be legalized. Because of, you know, Aung San Suu Kyi and the uh, National League for Democracy and the other democratic, you know, the parties, they involved in the our elections. They failed it. The election was made by, and you know, the election was made by the generals, military. So then, you know, the international communities, including the United States and EU, they lifted their sanctions on the, you know, the Myanmar in the past, according to the, you know, human rights, you know, violations, you know, they, they were banned. They were sanctions many years. So after the, you know, 2015, Tuan San Suu Kyi became the state consular. And then so energy was, became, you know, the elected civilian government. United States and, you know, European Union, they lifted sanctions against the Myanmar. And military generals, they became the legal billionaires. In 2020 elections, Honsensu Kyi and the military, San Kyi and, you know, the National League for Democracy, they contested in 2020 elections. And then they won landslide victory again. But Tonson Suu Kyi she tried to persuade the military generals to have the national reconciliation, and on the other hand, she would like to set it up the new society. She would like to set it up the national unity in Myanmar. So after the election, she will form the national unity government, and she decided. That's why the military generals, you know, they tried to. Make it coup Last year, February first.
1: Mm-hmm. And what did you think of her role of those five years <clears throat> when the NLD and Aung San Suu Kyi had, were in some kind of position of authority? Uh, certainly, they didn't have all the controls of government, but more than they, they ever had up to that point. What, what did you think of their work during those five years?
0: you know, it is, you know, the, under the, you know, 2008 constitution, she was, work, she, she she worked for the, you know, government, the, you know, civilian government, according to the, you know, 2008 constitution, it was just only for the 75% of the, you know, the, uh, you know, area, right. you know, parliaments. And the 25% of the, you know, parliaments are controlled by the military and the, you know, the civilian government the led by the Suji, she didn't get, you know, any investigations on the military. Even, you know, budgets, she cannot control it. The military, you know, never listened to the also Suji and the president, never, ever. They never respect to the civilian, you know, the president, they never respect to the civilian, you know, government leaders. They pretended to respect them. They were doing their own jobs. They were doing their own business. They are controlling their, you know, businesses and the country as well. San Suu Kyi and the civilian government was misused by the military, but they were afraid that, you know, they, they are getting, you know, they were getting, you know, uh power from the international and the local population. So they were afraid of it. That's fine. It you know they 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 made, a, you know, to coup. But you know the people they felt it, you know, the, the Aung San Suchi and civilian government they are trying they tried to, you know, cancel the many of the, you know, unjustic laws and, you know, regulations. The people we're getting the feeling and the taste of the democracy, but not the you know hundred percent. A few of the tastes of the democracy, a few of the tastes of the freedom. You can see that you know in the last five years, many activists can, you know, blame to the you know presidents directly. Many activists can, you know, protest against the you know civilian government. Many activists can, you know, do the, you know, criticize to the government. They felt, oh, that's the kind of the democracy. The people, they felt it's a taste of the democracy. That's why in 2020, they knew that the population of the Myanmar, they knew that we have to vote for the NLD if the NLD win the elections in 2020 elections, we will have more democracy The people, they believed. That's why in 2020, the National League for Democracy, they won, you know, general election. The people, they believe in the Dung San Suu Kyi. They believe in the, you know, the, civilian leaders. That is a very good but for the international to answer and civilian government you know they're very difficult to deal with the other you know issues. They were failed some you know international politics because of the you know national reconciliations. She tried. Mm. Are the
1: best but it feels. what do you think Do you, what's your evaluation of what she tried to do and you reference how uh, in the eyes of the international community it was a failure and a disappointment uh, of course one has to acknowledge that she doesn't have full control as 75% and several ministries which she has no control or even uh, can uh, can even even access to what they're doing or reports as you mentioned uh, given all that, do you think there was more she could have done, or something that she or the NLD leadership could have handled better than they did, or do you do you think they were doing the best they could under those conditions?
0: Yes, of course. You know they they were doing for the best. You know that they can as much as they can. They did, but on the other hand, you know uh, they, they, even you know Aldon San Kyi, she sacrificed her glory, uh, for her. You know they believe she. Didn't want you know to have the bloodshed in country in Myanmar. That's why she tried to deal with the military generals to have uh, you know reconciliations, and she thought that it was right. But then finally, uh, she she got you know you know arrested, and the but but she she, she was failed you know the uh, because you know she didn't get you know uh, the fully support from the you know the military. My military never supposed to be on, to Aung San Suu Kyi and civilian government, And she was a very difficult situation. She was in trap. And then the most, you know, ugly, you know, the scenario is, you know, she tried to protect the military at the, you know, ICJ. Hmm. The international communities, you know, they are, you right. know, uh, you know, they are pointing out the why, you know, the, the noble Peace. Lori, you know, be protecting to the war criminals and then the war, you know, leaders, you know, were angry with, you know, the Kyi I felt it, you know, she was trying for the best, but she, she, she felt she failed. And she sacrificed herself. But right now she understood what she did and how she did and the results, you know, the obvious and she feels right now uh, i i'm sure she feels you know the she she feels you know uh the very you know regret you know I, i'm sure that you know she, she did for the best she made it for the best but hmm. she's feeling the you know, regret. i think so
1: hmm. i, I want to go back to your personal story during these years you are released in 2008 and as you put it in the first five minutes of our interview, you were released and you went back into society, preparing for the second round, ready to to go and uh, and and continue where you left off. And then you fill in the gaps. You talk about how it's very difficult for you to re-enter any society in a social or professional way, given your past. You try to do these couple years of. Uh, educational programs to try to, uh, as as uh, things are changing in Myanmar, you're trying to give this kind of political education to some of the youth about uh, hi- history or context that they don't know because they're not allowed to know. But there's there's not really a feeling of revolution in the air at that time. I was personally in Myanmar for most of these years, and I, I can also attest to that especially as the transition opened up and and there were more opportunities. So there's not many people that are on the side of still trying to point out to all the dangers and and the problems because there's a certain degree of stability and opportunity and freedom even that's never been there before. Uh, Eventually, you move on to Thailand and then to Czech. Can you share a bit how you ended up in these countries and as a Burmese refugee or exile, at this moment, uh, your experience in, in, in coming into these two countries and cultures and, uh, and how, um, how, how you chose to go there and how you were supported once you were there?
0: You know, uh, the, in Thailand, because, you know, Thailand is one of the, you know, the, uh, you know, Burmese exile groups, you know, based, so uh, that's why, you know, I choose Thailand first and the, many of the, my old colleagues and friends, they were there. So that's why I choose the Thailand, I joined the, one of the educational foundations, the Thinking Classroom Foundation, founded by the Dr. Thay Rinh. I joined it and then, you know, I joined the ALD Media Group. And then, you know, uh, in 2011, I was invited to the Czech Republic and to share my experience of you know freedom, democracy and human rights at the forum two thousand and then uh, because of the former president Vasca Harlow so we got the exile here in Czech Republic. In Thailand, you know, there are many exile groups and we had a lot of you know exile uh, movement ex- you know experiences. But it... You know, most of the exile groups, it did, you know, depends on the INGOs and grants and the to run their projects. So it was a very difficult situation. But in two thousand, you know, uh, after the two thousand ten, international, you know, organizations they pushed to such kind of the exile exile groups uh, to join, you know. Uh, the transition in so-called the so-called makeup transition in Myanmar. I felt that at that time, no, no, it was not, it was a fake, it was a fake, it was a makeup transition. So we shouldn't move inside. I decided that. And that's why I didn't, you know, uh, going back to Myanmar, many of my friends, you know, they they go they went back to Myanmar and to join some of the programs and projects in Myanmar. So last year it was happened in Myanmar. you know, military group happened in Myanmar and then they, they fled from Myanmar. But I told that, you know, the uh, right now I, I, I'm in Czech Republic, you know. And you see that, you know, the I never trust to the, you know, military generals, their mentality is very, very dangerous. I, I never trust, you know, uh, their mentality. So that's why you know uh, I I I I I never you know uh, join the you know military training you know uh, the ways and you know they are they are they are open up you know the the platforms. But I never work on it. The the in Czech Republic you know I'm getting a lot of the lessons of. You know, democratic, you know, the movement activities and democratic mindsets. And the Western countries has you know, very good, you know, respect each other, respect the, you know, human rights. I felt it, you know, in the very beginning of the, year, living in Czech Republic, you know, I felt, you know, oh, it is, you know, totally different, you know, from our country. The people are very, you know, independent. And they they are feeling, you know, the very, you know, relaxed and also, you know, freedom. They they are very independent. And they but they respect the the rights. But after the few years in Czech Republic, I found out that, you know, Czech Republic has also the political problems as well. But not the same as, you know, Myanmar. But the Czech is one of the you know the uh you know, the smooth Smooth way to transit, you know, the the authoritarian to democracy country. So we have learned a lot of the lessons from the Czech Republic and other European countries as well. Uh, personally, you know, uh, in Myanmar, there is so complicated, and the our system and the our culture is still, you know, uh, you know, needs to be, you know, the educated that's my feeling
1: you know yeah i certainly agree and that's actually <clears throat> a a feeling that the the military has manipulated and they've taken what you've said and turned it on its head for years for decades by saying that the burmese people are not yet ready for democracy they're not yet mature for democracy that There's, um, going back decades and even centuries in Burmese history, there's certainly a kind of patronizing sense that the leader is supposed to have as a a caretaker for the people that are almost like a wiser and more mature father and taking care for them in ways that they're not able to take care for themselves. This kind of psyche has been investigated in different mm-hmm. academics, and most particularly uh, Matthew Walton is what I'm thinking of. Uh, others certainly have covered it as well. But you're also noticing that there does need to be some kind of groundwork preparing them for democracy and for the maturity of being able to live in that kind of system and participate, what are your feelings towards that criticism on the part of the military that the, the the Burmese people are simply not ready for not mature enough for democracy and that they need to be the ones that are ensuring the stability of the country and making those decisions. Uh, You know, uh, right now,
0: you know, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling that you know the our people just have the uh, democracy because they are very mature right now. Because of you know their activities, the you know, tireless activities is you know the obvious. Over the you know one year our revolution experience, the, our people's is, you know, supporting us a lot. They, you know, they are supporting us, you know, financially, you know, mentally, you know, physically. They are people, you know, sacrificing their life to have, the you know, democracy and the freedom in our country. So that is the best time to have the, you know, transitions for yeah. my country. Yeah. So right now you can see that, you know, right now, so right now, so we are getting the, you know, the unity, the biggest unity we have never, you know, been such kind of the unity here in yeah. you know at the in right now. Mm-hmm. So in the national unity government, the CRPH and national unity consultants, you know, comp, consult. You know, this is you know very you know comprehensive, and we have the a lot of different you know our backgrounds, and we all you know the NUCC all respect. The you know the combined the our you know collective leadership to set up the collective leadership. In the past, we didn't have such kind of collective leadership. Right now, we have the very huge collective leadership, and it is really works. So that's why I can say that you know the our people are right now to you know, the freedom and democracy.
1: Sure, right. And you were physically around in 1988 for that whole uprising and uh, and protest movement and released just after 2007. So you've personally witnessed... These different attempts at being able to unseat the military before, you in your response just now, you already got at some of my question, which is I was going to ask how is this, how do you find 2021-22 different from 88, 90, 07, 08? And you've already referenced some of that in being that there's more unity than you've ever seen there's more of a a hunger and a cry for for people saying themselves which is kind of the definition of maturity we want democracy and we're ready for it there's there's really no Greater way than, than someone can self determine what kind of system they want to live under. Aside from these comments you've already made, how else, because you've had a front row seat and you've been personally involved in these previous uprisings and protest movements, what other ways are you finding the current revolution different than the previous two?
0: Ah, this is totally different. <laughs> you know the the most you know the uh, prominence, the difference is the, the technology. In 1988, you know, we didn't have the digital, you know, digital devices. We didn't have the mobile phone. We didn't have the, you know, uh, the uh, open, you know, independent media groups. Uh, It was, you know, just only state media. And we had it just only, you know, remember, uh, I remember just some of the, you know, radios, the VOE and All India, BBC, and that's all, you know. Without you know your you know RFA at that time in 1988 during the Revolution, but in 2011 you know there are so many uh IT you know devices and international you know uh you know community has the very very uh you know easily to know about what's happening in Myanmar you know timely. In nineteen eighty eight, you know, international community didn't know about what's happened in Yemen. So it was the you know biggest difference between the two revolutions. And the another thing is, you know, in the past, in two thousand you know, in nineteen eighty eight, the military leaders were so clever to deal with, the, you know, international communities. And also local political parties and the you know ethnic groups, but right now the uh, Mr. May online, he is not clever to deal with the international communities, and he is not clever to deal with the you know local political parties and also you know ethnic groups. That's why. Uh, you know, you know, we we found out that you know the the you know the difference between the are uh, the two revolutions. You know, the, the, another thing is you know the our people involvement in 1988. All many of the people involved in the you know revolution after the military coup. A few weeks later, the peoples uh, you know the peoples were you know trying to survive their self. And they coup down, and they evolve in the, you know, the military are, you know, set up, the, you know, some circumstances. But right now, in two thousand twenty-one and two thousand twenty-two, the people involved in the revolution, and still now over one year, they are still resisting against military rule. It is huge, you know, difference between the, you know, two revolutions. And another thing is, you know, the ethnic armed groups. And this is, you know, in the past, ethnic armed groups, you know, their position and, you know, current position is totally different. And the last thing is the biggest, you know, difference. In 1988 only our students, ABSDF, you know, was formed as the, you know, armed group. But in 2021, in March, local BDS were formed by their self. They found out, you know, how to fight against the military hunter, military dictatorship in Myanmar. They know the language of the, you know, because me online and the military leaders, they, the their language is this is their language. We have to fight against with the you know arms resistance. They decided. The people decided their own. They know about their you know self defence rights. They did, they form it. This is biggest, you know, the difference between the two revolutions. Right now we have the you know thousands of thousands of they are all you know people defence forces members. In the past, in two thousand eighty eight and nineteen eighty eight we have I remember that over the you know fifty thousands. But right now thousands of thousands of people defence forces members.
1: Hmm. So what do you think? So, with that, what do you think it will take to win? You reference how this has been going on for more than a year, and there's been more solidarity and more courage and sacrifice than you've ever seen, probably since the '62 coup. What? Uh, and yet, it's it's um, it, it's still kind of stuck in some way. What do you think it's going to take to win and get over that hump and be successful?
0: Right now. The, you know, it's, you know, we are winning. We can say that over 67% of the, you know, our areas controlled by our LPDF and the ethnic armed groups on ground. Right now, in many cities and villages, we can set up the, you know, primary schools, middle schools, and high schools and hospitals and the you know town administrative bodies village administrative bodies we set it up so we are lack of you know the enough weapons but we're still trying to find out the best way to fill the you know necessary fulfillment for the you know local pdf and the PDF and other ethnic armed groups. On ground mm. we are winning. On ground we are winning. You mm-hmm. see that you know the over ninety percent of the you know local you know the very you know the quarters and the you know villages administrative bodies you know are not controlled by the military. Over 90%. The military can set it up. The military can, you know, appoint just only 7 or 8% of the, you know, country. It is near Nepidor and the Rangoon, some places. Other places, they cannot control. Till now, they cannot control it. On the other hand, you see that, you know, soon now, Peaceful protesting against the military rule in Myanmar is still going on. Over the you know four hundred thousand, nearly five hundred thousand, CDMs are still resisting against the military rule. This is the most peaceful demonstrations in Myanmar, and you know I'm sure that you know the in the you know on the on the wall across the wall there is no other, you know, CDM movement like Myanmar.
1: In Myanmar, you
0: know, CDM movement is the biggest and the most peaceful, you know, you know, peaceful movement. Hmm. Still, you know, they are still resisting. They have a lot of difficulties to survive. Still, they believe it. They know it. We have to fight to end the military dictatorship in our country. That's why our people decided, still now, over one year, it is so long for them, but they're still resisting. That's why, you know, I can see that, you know, our revolution must, you know, prevail. That is a very simple message.
1: Sure. Right. And you're describing this unbelievable sacrifice and courage and commitment on the part of the Burmese people to do whatever it takes to win this revolution and gain back their human rights, their dignity, their freedom, everything else. And they've really been carrying this on almost independently with very, very minimal support from those outside the country. Uh, You're looking at it from... Within the movement and seeing how much has been given, there really it would really be hard to ask for much more on the part of the people who have lived under these conditions for so long and are continuing to fight against mm-hmm. this regime. But looking mm-hmm. at it from outside, from from foreign allies, from the international community, from those wishing to support in whatever way, from bodies and uh, and organizations, what 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 kinds of support would be useful useful or valuable from the international community or from allies to the cause and to helping to win the revolution?
0: Yes. You know, honestly, I can compare with the Ukraine right now. So Ukraine is getting a lot of the international, you know, aids, especially military aids, largest aids. We need it. We need it. Such kind of, you know, the military, you know, uh, the logistics and the, you know, technology and, you know, Indonesian community should know about, you know, the Ukraine crisis and Myanmar crisis is very similar. May online He got, you know, the the green lights from the Russia a few years ago. The people are saying that, you know the china is the biggest problem for myanmar but we are saying no china is not biggest problem for myanmar especially we pointed out the russia the domestic military and russia tie was very very closely before the military you know attempts to go, one of the, the russian generals they visited to Nepidor and they, they met he met with the May Online, only two persons with the other assistants after a few weeks later May Online he did you know attempt to coup you see right now the you know Vladimir Putin and the May Online are doing the same doing the same atrocities against the civilians. The same situation. Russian is trying to get the Braussy government in Asian Pacific region. The Russian never, you know, think of the, you know, other international civilized countries' interest. They just think of the only their own interest. In Russia there is Thousands, at least, you know, hundreds of the, you know, are the Burmese military officers. They are studying in, you know, Russia since, you know, two decades ago. Many Russian trains, you know, officers are serving in Myanmar Army in every sector. But the international community, they don't know about, you know, this such kind of this, you know, scenario. Burmese military group is very connected with the Russia. Burmese military is getting military, you know, weapons, technology from Russia and China and Belarus. Indonesian community make sanctions and embargoes, arms embargoes to Myanmar. But, military, Myanmar military, is getting weapons from Russia and Myanmar and China. We, our NUG government, cannot get the military weapons. Even we cannot buy it because of the arms embargo. United States. European Union countries. Right now they are supporting the Ukraine physically. They are sending missiles, they are sending military, you know, devices. They are sending, you know, the aircraft. They are sending a lot of, you know, the you know bombs and launchers and tanks to the Ukraine. It means that you know they are defeating, they are, you know, supporting the not Ukraine, but they should, you know, support the Burmese people as well, especially unite our, you know, NUG government. We, our government, is responsible to protect the civilians, our citizens, our residents. The military, they are, you know, attacking our its own civilians, they are lack of their, you know, their duties, their are lack of their, you know, responsibility. Now we, our energy is responsible to protect the, our people, our citizens. Why international communities are waiting
1: for the people of Myanmar to be safe? Every day, what what's your own answer to that question? Why why do you think it is that they are not providing support, not not even support, as you say, of sending their own resources or people themselves, but simply allowing the defense forces and the NUG to be able to purchase and fair market the kinds of materials that can Protect themselves and protect others from crimes against humanity and possible genocide. Why, why do you think the international organizations in the Western countries, including the United States, are continuing to block this and not allow this kind of access?
0: I think that you know they are. Uh, they cannot. You know they cannot. Uh, you know support to the. You know uh, especially. Uh, you know uh, the arms. Um, you know revolutions in Asian Pacific region because especially uh, they are afraid of the something China or the, you know, some other, you know, Russian and some other, you know, diverse country. I think so. But mm. the after the, after the, you know, the uh, Russian aggressions on the Ukraine, they are, you know, braver than before. I hope
1: so. Mm. So do you have any idea what it would take for them to, Reverse their decisions and and allow some kind of access yes. to the NUG and PDFs.
0: I hope that you know it is a very optimistic. You know, uh, you know they right now they are brave to support the military. You know, devices and the you know physical supports to the the other country, but the situation in you know the Ukraine and the situation in Myanmar is very similar. They understand it, and so I hope that in the near future they can understand that they can support to the you know NUG and the PDF. Because, you know, our peoples are resisting the military with any possible means so that, you know, the military cannot control the country. They know it. We all are determined to fight, you know, the military operations until we achieve our goal. They know it. This is exactly, you know, why we are shared, why all, you know, share the solidarity belief in you know, that, you know, that is the last chance to uproot the dictatorship in our country. They know it international community. They know it, what we, you know, exactly, you know, we are, you know, sharing our solidarity. You know, this is the, you know, the peak of the, you know, our unity time. So we are sure that, you know, if we get, you know, the any, you know, possible, you know, physical support from international communities, it will be, you know, the I'm sure it must be the game changer. Right now in the, you know, the Ukraine, if the Putin failed, and then, you know, it will affect to the, you know, Burma as well. Right now, the Burma cannot get, you know, the military supports from the Russia because of, you know, their aggressions on the, uh, you know, invasions to the Ukraine. And the Indonesian community must do against, you know, the mainline and military as well, like Putin. And the Myanmar has to be, you know, get has to get, you know, the, like Ukraine. So then we our you know civilized you know countries and civilized war will you know prevail you know to fight against the diverse countries. That is the very important time. That is the time to, you know, support to this time to be united to support the not only Ukraine but also the Myanmar as well.
1: Right, so you're describing more of the general overarching international scene and context. I'm wondering about you personally, and as far as you are able to share, not divulging any confidential information, what can you share about what your position is right now in relationship with NUG, and what tasks you're carrying on, as well as what, if any, kind of recognition you have from the Czech Republic while you're there in that capacity?
0: Right now, in the, in the last year, since, you know, the April, you know, 24, I was appointed as a representative for the Czech Republic. So, but uh, but I'm working for not only for the Czech Republic, but also for some other European countries as well. I'm dealing with the countries, you know, the, the governments and the parliaments and other political, you know, uh, the higher offices to have the you know, recognition of the national unity government as the legitimate government of the Myanmar. So my position is, the, that is the, my position. So here in Czech Republic, you know, the, the first country of, you know, the very actively supports Myanmar is the Czech Republic. You see that after the few weeks later, the Czech president, he issued these two statements. To the president Mr. Wemyan and the you know our state councillor to Onsen Sutji, the Czech Republic prime you know the president Mrs. Melosiman, he showed you know solidarity with the president and the Onsen while they were arrested. It was the first country around the war, and second, after I was you know appointed by the you know. He has an officer for the Czech Republic, Deputy Minister of the Foreign Affairs, Mr. Martin Plaka, you know, he issued a statement for me and to appreciate and welcome and to cooperate for the future of the, our two countries' relationship to be stronger and stronger. That is my status. So, uh, I am, you know, representative. And I'm working for the NUG, and to have the recognitions of the NUG, to have the supports, the humanitarian aids for the people of Myanmar in need, across border through the NUG. So I'm working on it.
1: Hmm. I see. And. We definitely wish you every success with what you're doing and with those tasks. And I I personally know how hard you've been working over this past year, how many initiatives you've undertaken. And uh, I, I, I know how busy your day is, how many meetings you have. So to take Time out of all those other tasks to talk with us and to get your voice out there for more people. I, I think you have so much to share and a value. I, I just really thank you for taking the time to sit with us today, and, and, and especially in spite of everything else you're managing and doing.
0: Yeah, I would like to mention, you know, to your audience that you know, please, international communities recognize the National Unity Government as you know the legitimate. Government of the Myanmar and brand the you know military, Burmese military as a terrorist group. The two I would like to ask for the you know international communities to support you know physically to the people of Myanmar and the National Unity Government, and to support and to help the people of Myanmar in need across border assistance through the National Unity Government and educational and the you know medical included. And if you support to the you know the people of Myanmar and NUG and the our revolution will win in a few months. And then the international community can be proud of, you know the Myanmar is one of the successful countries near future. Yeah, we need the Indonesian communities, you know, support more and more.
1: Yeah, I agree. I think that it's really just a step away from the defining blow, but it, that that step could be long and drawn out and bloody if the the Burmese are continued to be isolated and alone in, in the sacrifices they're making, if with a little bit of support uh, they could be close to a knockout blow and this uh, um, strategically located country, geographically speaking, mm-hmm. w- could be could turn a page of democracy and human rights, as well as of unity and federalism of the different groups, and really chart uh, potentially a, a new way forward that we haven't seen before, and that is really following the uh, these values that are so promoted by the West, and it could really be something beautiful. Uh, that's all hypothetical because, of course, they need that support to get there. But we see the willingness, we see the hunger, we see the sacrifice of people who want to live under a better system. And we also see among the Bamar Buddhists their own uh, understanding of uh, that, that they were not exactly correct in the way they mm-hmm. saw what the military was doing before and the way that the ethnic peoples were being harmed. And that they don't want this to continue in their country. We've seen expressions of guilt and apologies and contrition. And so Mm -hmm. there really is this potential of moving forward with just that little bit of help. And, you know, we really hope that somehow... The people of Myanmar will get that because they've certainly more than shown how hungry they are for it. Thank you so much for joining us here today and having this conversation. I've I've learned so much, and you have offered so much to our listeners as well. I'm
0: also thank you for your you know giving me floor and for your audience. Thank you so much for your contribution as well. So I really appreciate you, work in and I really appreciate your you know uh, especially you know Buddhist thoughts. I, I, I love its yeah. image Thank you so much Joel. It's the
1: darkest time before the dawn We're broken We're lost But we know this won't last forever No way to turn back No way to give up No way to lose As we know this is the end Nothing can stop us now Yeah. We will fight till the end one of the most tragic aspects of the current crisis in Myanmar is how isolated Burmese protesters feel, and in fact are. Thankfully, through our nonprofit organization, Better Burma, we're able to ensure that all your donations successfully reach their intended target on the ground. So if you found yourself moved by today's discussion and want to do what you can to help, please consider giving to our donation fund, which is 100% directed towards supporting the democracy movement. If you would like to join in our mission to support those in Myanmar who are being impacted by the military coup, we welcome your contribution, any form, currency or transfer method. Your donation will go to support a wide range of humanitarian missions, aiding those local communities who need it most. Donations are directed to such causes as the civil disobedience movement (CDM), families of deceased victims, internally displaced persons food for impoverished communities, military defection campaigns, undercover journalists, monasteries and nunneries, education initiatives, the purchasing of protective equipment and medical supplies, COVID relief, and much more. We also We also make sure that our donation fund supports a diverse range of religious and ethnic groups across the country. We invite you to visit our website to learn more about past projects as well as upcoming needs. You can give a general donation or earmark your contribution for a specific activity or project you would like to support. Perhaps even something you heard about in this very episode. All of this humanitarian aid work is carried out by our nonprofit mission, Better Burma. Any donation you give on our Insight Myanmar website is directed towards this fund. Alternatively, you can also visit the Better Burma website, betterburma.org, that's b-e-t-t-e-r-b-u-r-m-a.org, and donate directly there. In either case, your donation goes to the same cause, and both websites accept credit cards. You can also give via PayPal by going to paypal.me betterburma. Additionally, we take donations through Patreon, Venmo, GoFundMe, and Cash App. Yeah. Simply search Better Burma on each platform and you'll find our account. You can also visit either the Insight Myanmar or Better Burma websites for specific links to those respective accounts or email us at info at betterburma.org. If you'd like to give it another way, please contact us. Thank you so much for your kind consideration and
0: support. Yes man, just it will win. Yeah